Last Sunday night, we spent a great deal of time really walking through the Old Testament and uh, showed you several places that we went that are especially mentioned in the Old Testament, uh, dealing with even where the Israelites would have traveled, where they would have crossed the Jordan River, where they would have entered into the Promised Land, and several places uh, really that we, we see in the Old Testament. I'm not saying that uh, tonight is all New Testament, but that's really where we're going to focus. Um, If you say last week we walked through the Israelites with the Israelites, uh, through the Old Testament with David and some of the prophets and footsteps that they would have traveled, tonight we're going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And I appreciate, uh, obviously, the the imagery of the song we've just led and uh, tonight, or just sung together, but tonight we're going to spend some time walking with the Lord. So this is a trip that, that my family and I took, October the 31st through November the 12th, and we have some visitors tonight. And I want to just say again, uh, we appreciate you being here, and we appreciate uh, you always being here. And tonight, this isn't for entertainment purposes, what we're trying to do. We're, we're here to worship God, and I'll remind you that that is our purpose. That will always be our purpose on the Lord's Day when we assemble together. And we're looking at some pictures, and I'm going to share some things that, that my family and I did Uh, It doesn't mean that we have any closer relationship with God than you do. And it doesn't mean that you have to go to Israel in order to go to heaven. You certainly don't. But these are some things that we experienced, and maybe it will help you tonight to see some things that the Bible talks about, and maybe you'll be able to have a a picture in your mind of maybe something you didn't before. I want to say tonight, too, that Jerusalem is a modern city. A million people live in the city of Jerusalem today. I showed you that picture last Sunday night, and it's a modern city. It's got cranes and skyscrapers, and it's a big modern city. It doesn't look like it looked in the days of Christ. And then I'm going to show you some things tonight, and you say, oh boy, you know, that, that's just not at all what I had pictured in my mind. Me neither. All right, me neither. And I still, even though I've seen it and you're going to see it, you still might go back to the picture you had in your mind and say, I'm going to choose to remember it the way that I see it, and that's up to you, all right? But I'm going to show you some things that have taken place, and uh, and we're just going to walk through it that way. Tonight, I'm reminded of the words of Luke in Luke chapter 9, in verse number 51, where Luke records for us that it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to, to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. We're going to start tonight in Jerusalem, and we're going to spend some time looking in Jerusalem at the life of Christ and where we find ourselves. Tonight, I want to begin with this. It's a big model. That's all it is. It's a big model, and it's Somewhat, uh, you know, you can kind of see, this is at the uh, Museum of Israel in the city of Jerusalem. We went there on a Thursday or Friday, I can't remember. And they have this huge, this huge uh, model of Jerusalem. There are some people that are standing right here. These are full-grown people. And maybe that will help give you a little scale as to the size of, of this particular model. But this is perhaps what Jerusalem would have looked like in the days of Christ. And so I want you just to see, what do you think this is right here? Young people, you've been studying the temple. This is the temple, all right? This is what it looked like in the days of Jesus, perhaps. 
And uh, the Temple Mount is huge. When you look at that, the city of Jerusalem, you can't miss the temple, right? It's just right there. It is so big. takes up so much room. And that's exactly the way that it was planned. And that's exactly the way that we find it. All right, so that's the Temple Mount. That, that's a model of, of Herod's temple. It would have been expanded perhaps a little larger than Solomon's temple. And yet, that's what we find it to be, a very large structure. All right, so there's Jerusalem perhaps in the days of Christ. And here's a, a side model where those people were standing. And I show you this. Again, you've got the temple right up here. And then you've got this little finger right out here. And they say that that little finger is probably the old city of Jebus. That would have been the size of the city of Jebus when David would have gone and his men to conquer the city that would become Jerusalem. So today, I mean, you could just expand it all the way out here. This is a huge city. But in the beginning, that's all it was. All right, that's the old city of David. That, that's the old city. And where we were in Hezekiah's tunnel last week, for example, is right over here in, in that part of the city. Okay, so the original city of Jerusalem was very, very small. The walled city of Jerusalem was very, very small and yet played a, such a prominent part in what would become the city of God. And you see that really the Temple Mount almost is as large as that original city. All right, so that's what you find, and that's the way it was. And so that's what I want you to see. Now, in the days of Jesus, we're going to come up into this area, and all of this would have been occupied in the days of Christ. And so we're going to look at that a little bit more closely tonight as we think about Jesus in the city of Jerusalem. What I'm about to show you, we did on a Saturday. All right, this is going to occupy our entire Saturday. And I'm not even going to be able to show you everything that we did on that particular Saturday. But what we tried to do on that Saturday was walk with the Lord as, as He was going through that last day of His life. All right? So this is standing on the Mount of Olives. That's where this picture is taken. We're standing at the top of the Mount of Olives. And as you know, that the Mount of Olives would play a prominent part in the life of Jesus when he walked on the earth. And so this is our group, and we are standing on the Mount of Olives, and you can see the Temple Mount behind us. And last week, if you recall, I told you that the Temple Mount is so big, you can fit 26 NFL-sized football fields on that space, on that spot. All right. So it is a large, large area. So it comes down here all the way down, and you can't quite even see the end of it until it goes back. And back around. And so it is a large, prominent place, even still in the city of Jerusalem. Of course, now the Muslims own it. Uh, they occupy it. They run it. It's their space. But, uh, but that, that is the old Temple Mount uh, that we find. And so coming off of in, into this area would have been that old city of Jerusalem, the city of David. Okay, So coming down into this area behind where we're standing. So I wanted you to see that from the Mount of Olives. This is where we began our Saturday. There's a, a little better view of it without us uh, taking up all the space. Right down here is the Brook Kidron, the Valley of Kidron. The brook would have run all the way through that valley. There's, I couldn't find any water in it today. But uh, that's the, the Valley of Kidron. In John chapter 19 and verse 1, the Bible talks about Jesus going across 
the brook Kidron and ascending, ascending the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so that's what you see uh, here again from the Mount of Olives looking over the entire Temple uh, Mount. This was interesting to me. I mentioned this in a Bible class, so some of you already know this. But covering the whole side of the Mount of Olives, I mean, there's no empty space. Covering the whole side of the Mount of Olives were all of these tombs, I mean, uh, caskets, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but dead, dead bones, right? There, all these boxes full of dead, dead bones, and family uh, owned these particular spots, and they will just keep filling them up with bones of their family members who continue to pass away. And they think that if they can be on the Mount of Olives, again to a Jew, Jesus was not the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Messiah, but they believe the Messiah is going to descend on Mount Olives, the Mount of Olives. And so if they're buried on the side of the Mount of Olives, then they're right there when the, when the Messiah comes. And so this is prime real estate. They want to be buried on the Mount of Olives. And so it is just a big cemetery uh, on the side of the Mount of Olives. And I did not know that that's the way it was until we went. You may have already known that. That's fine. That's great. But uh, again, from here, you're looking straight down. And I, I want to tell you that right there, and you can't see it, and I understand that, but those are, those are buses. All right? Those are big charter buses. I'm trying to help you understand that that is a deep valley. The, the Mount of Olives ascends quite high, and you're looking down into a deep valley. And so those are, those are charter buses down at the bottom of the valley. And so you're, you're looking down quite far. Well, we started on the Mount of Olives, and then we began to descend the Mount of Olives. This picture is to just show you that we started off, we took that group picture right up here. And now we have begun to descend to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what we did, and I appreciated the fact that we did this, it's hard to say, and probably this is not exactly where Jesus was when He wept in the Garden of Gethsemane the night of His arrest. But we descended into this area where there were a, a lot of olive trees on the side of the Mount of Olives near where the Garden of Gethsemane probably actually was, and we had a short devotional there, and then they allowed us free time to just sit with our thoughts. Just think about that. You're sitting with your thoughts near where Jesus would have been uh, sweating blood, as it were, the night that He was arrested. And so we found ourselves in this particular spot, and, and it was powerful to be sitting there and to be looking toward the temple and to be thinking about what Jesus would have seen, even though you've got charter buses and you've got all these tourists and you're in a major city, to be thinking about what was happening in that place. So there's the view from where we were at, near the Garden of Gethsemane. And what I was thinking was this, and maybe you can see this. I was thinking about Jesus the night that He was arrested, the night that He was betrayed and was going to be arrested I was thinking about what he was able to see. Now, again, you don't have charter buses. You don't have all this bustling highway running through here. You don't have all the noise. Jesus is in an elevated position, and he is able to look toward the temple. And he, no doubt, in the middle of the night, as it was, he could have seen a mob with torches and lights coming at him. He could have run. 
Bethany, if you go up the Mount of Olives and just continue going, you're going to find Bethany a couple of miles from there. We didn't make it to Bethany. But he could have run. He could have, he could have gone away. But he knew they were coming. He would have been able to see them. All right, I think about that. Here's, here's a gate where they could have come out. And they could have come out of the temple in that area and, and come to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. I hear all these olive trees all around, and it was quite powerful to think about what was happening. But then we walk down just a little bit further to the entrance of what they say was and is the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, so you can make out the word Gethsemane there. And so we enter the garden. I don't know why that just took off on me. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I wish the picture were just a little bit better, but I want you to know that that is an olive tree that is ginormous. It is huge at its base. And there were several of these in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they say, I don't think that's going to date back 2,000 years, but that is an old, old olive tree. All right, It just continues to get bigger and bigger. And so that is a very, very old olive tree in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now this is where you just wish this wasn't the case, but it is. This is the church of all nations, is what it's called, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what took place was Constantine, the Roman emperor, his mother, uh, finds Christianity, and she, she, you know, claims to be a Christian, and and Constantine is going to carry that out a little bit further. And she went back, and, and she was told, this is the spot. This is the spot that Jesus was suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so she marks the spot, supposedly, And eventually, Catholics are going to come in and they're going to build. They're going to build these great structures over these areas. So here's the church of all nations, supposedly over the spot where Jesus was actually suffering. I don't know that you're going to find that spot. You and I, we can use a little bit of logic and and I don't know. But this is what you find, this huge structure, the church of all nations. We went inside that, that particular structure. All kinds of people are in there. It's ornate. It's huge, it's tall, it's big, it's all of those things. And then you go up to the front, and there's this stone where all these people are gathered around. And you can see there are people bowing down. There are people who are kissing that stone. There are people who are anointing it with oil. And they say, that is the stone where Jesus was actually weeping the night that He was arrested. I don't, I don't believe that's probably the stone, Right? But you can see the significance of the place that you're in, okay? And you try to put yourself into thinking about Jesus and the suffering in the garden that night. Perhaps, you know, he's, we're very close uh, to where that, where that took place. But I hope this will stir within your minds. Again, think about what Jesus was going through in this place, in that city, that night that, you were, that we were there. From... The Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane, we were able to go then to the house of Caiaphas. This is, what the, this is where they say the, the home of Caiaphas was found, and that's just right there over our shoulder to our left. And you'll see that that, that structure, they say, is built over what was the house of Caiaphas, Caiaphas the high priest. And so Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He is carried to Annas first, who may have been right there uh, in this place, and then to Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. And I'm just giving you a view from the house of Caiaphas. From the house of Caiaphas, you have the Temple Mount, which is what we're looking at right here. 
in the city of Jerusalem. And then you pan out over to the right, and just to the right, you're going to find the Mount of Olives again. This is where we started our day, right up here on the Mount of Olives. And then you walk down this way, and you've got the Garden of Gethsemane right down in this area. And I never thought about it. I never thought about how far everything was. I always, in my mind, I had it very compact that Jesus was taken and he wasn't taken very far and he was here and then he was taken somewhere else and it wasn't very far. But seeing it, you're like, quite a hike actually. Quite a hike for them to go down all the way that valley and to ascend up into the Garden of Gethsemane. Quite a hike. And then for them to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and take him all the way to Caiaphas' house. I mean, you're talking about quite a hike to get all the way up here. And uh, I really believe that you could say in Jerusalem, it's uphill both ways. <laughs> it's uphill everywhere you go. And, uh, and so that's what we found as we were going uh, to the house of Caiaphas. And by the way, you see this tower right here on the top of the Mount of Olives. We actually didn't make it there. But that is what they say, the Mount of Ascension. They say that's the spot where Jesus ascended back to heaven. All right, so you're going to see that in some other pictures. I just thought I'd mention it while we were there. This is right outside of Caiaphas' house, and they have dug down, and they believe that this is first century street, that this is actually a first century street leading up to the house of Caiaphas. And if that is true, then perhaps these are street, a street or a path that Jesus would have walked up after he was arrested. Again, you can kind of see that's quite a steep climb. Okay, everything in Jerusalem seemed to be a pretty steep climb. Here is that same street from a different perspective, the house of Caiaphas over there on the right. And so perhaps Jesus was led up a street similar to that, if not that very street. How do you th- why do you think it's the house of Caiaphas? Again, I'm not up here tonight to tell you that this is absolute fact. Okay, that that is absolutely the house of Caiaphas. I'm just repeating you some things that repeating to you some things that we were told that led people to believe or leads people to believe that this is it. In the basement of this house, you found this. And what are we looking at? We're looking at a dungeon. Right here, I'm going to give you a close-up of what we're looking at right there. That is this piece of cable is hewn into a rock. All right, they, they literally cut through the rock and they would put a cable or some kind of rope or something there, chain, to be able to tie prisoners. And so in the basement of this place, there is a dungeon. And you can tell, you can tell just looking around, obviously this is a dungeon. This is where people would have been kept as prisoners. And it would have made sense. Jesus was taken there as a prisoner. And for others who are awaiting trial... They would have been taken to a place like this, and so very likely it was. Now, the lighting doesn't do us any favors right here, but I'll give you something else to look at in just a moment. This is a cutout. There are two cutouts. There's a hole right here, and there's another one right here. And you can see someone standing down here in the bottom. That There's also a hole right up here at the top. Originally, this would not have been there. This would not have been there. There's no cutout. Originally, this is all solid right in here. And the only way to get down into where that person is standing is through that hole at the top. That's what they would do generally. They would lower prisoners down. 
through that hole and there you are. You're stuck. There's nowhere for you to go. And we were able to take some steps down into that hole, into that dungeon. And there, there's that hole at the top. And we were able to come in kind of from the side. And we went down into this great big room that, that would have been a dungeon. They would have been held there as prisoners. And we sang together, our 31-member group, we sang together. He could have called 10,000 angels down in that area. It's possible that Jesus was held there or somewhere near there in a place like that the night before he was carried to Pilate, the night of his trial uh, before Annas and Caiaphas, and then before the Sanhedrin at daybreak the next morning. And perhaps he was lowered into a dungeon like that, and he was held in a place like that the night before he was crucified. And so it's powerful to think about and, and very interesting to see uh, from that perspective, what, what it is that we're looking at. Now, I've got just a few more things I want to say before we, we're done here with the city of Jerusalem. So I want to say this. Obviously, by now, I hope you can p- picture what this is, right? You've got the Temple Mount. It's huge. It occupied a lot of space. This finger right here, the old city of Jerusalem, the city of David. Jesus would have been over here in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is arrested He is bound, he is taken across the brook Kidron, and he is carried somewhere right over in here to the home of Caiaphas. That's where we just were. Now, where's Pilate? More than one theory. The most plausible, it seems, is that Pilate was holed up over here. This was an old fortress they call the Citadel. And that is where Herod the Great had built himself a house in the city of Jerusalem. It is right inside the old city wall of Jerusalem in the days of Christ. It would make sense for a Roman official to occupy a a government uh, home, a big palace. And that's exactly what you find in the citadel, this great palace of Herod the Great. And so it's likely that that's exactly where Pilate was. And so in your mind, I just want you to picture that Jesus is arrested here. He is carried over here to the home of Caiaphas, and then he is going to be carried probably up here to be held on trial by Pilate. I imagine then, what we imagine, what I was told, and I think makes a lot of sense, that the Jews would have stood right outside the city gate. They didn't want to profane themselves. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. They would have stood right out here outside the city gate. I'm going to show you more in just a moment. And then Jesus would have been taken from there and crucified somewhere right over in this area outside the city gate. It's going to look nothing like that when I show you these pictures, all right? But I want you to kind of see that in your mind before we get there. And what about this palace where Pilate may have found himself? (laughs) It was a structure. It's amazing to me to think about going back in time more than 2,000 years and finding a structure like this. I'm telling you, those people don't get the credit they deserve. Engineers, architects, builders, it is incredible what was there, and it's incredible what is still there, what has lasted all this time. You and I think that we have history. No, ma'am. No, sir. We do not have history when you start looking at history from over there. So here's this great structure 
I want you to focus on this big tower right here because I'm about to show it to you. There it is. Here's this big tower, this mighty fortress of Herod and what he would have built back in his day. And so we've got this great uh, structure all around it. There was this dry moat. I don't think it ever had water in it. It would have taken a lot of water to fill that particular moat. But you can see that there's a wall here and then you've got the wall of the fortress itself and a lot of empty space. All right, this dry moat that would have gone completely around it. Now we are inside this mighty fortress. And again, it makes a lot of sense to me that that's where Pilate would have holed himself up. And so, uh, again, we're just inside. They've done a lot of excavation, and you can see a lot of things and walk around it. It's really cool. Notice this tower right here. They've got scaffolding around it. They're uh, preserving it and working on it. And now we're on the other side of it. See it behind us now. And we got to walk. You can walk on the old city walls of Jerusalem. If you've got uh, more than half a day, you can walk them all. You can walk the whole city wall, which I think would be so cool. We didn't have the time to do it, but you can actually pay a little money and you can walk all around the top of the city wall of Jerusalem. And so uh, here's a portion of it that we were able to walk as we were going around this particular fortress. Now from the top where we were... I'm not focused on the smoke. I have no idea what that smoke is. I don't know. You're in Israel. Again, the question has been asked several times. Adam, did you ever feel unsafe? And the answer is no. Not even once. All right? I don't know what that fire is. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, maybe it's a flare. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, but that's, it, I don't know what that fire is. I hit the wrong button. But from, the, from where we are, you see these two buildings right here with the big gray dome on them? That is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. That, they say, is where Jesus was crucified. And that is where the tomb is going to be found. And I'm going to show it to you here in just a moment. But there's a, there's a wall, there's an old city wall that runs right along in here... And so that would have been outside the city wall. And we know that Jesus was taken outside the city and crucified. And so they, they think that that could be where uh, Jesus was actually crucified. Well, is that the picture that you have in your mind when you partake of the Lord's Supper? When you think of Jesus dying on the cross, is that the picture you have in your mind? Me neither. All right, but... You're in the middle of a city. You're talking 2,000 years ago. This is a, a living city that's continued to be built upon. And so that's, that's what we're looking at there. Now we're on the other side of that wall from the fortress. And this, you say, Adam, did you ever get emotional? More than once. Last Sunday night I told you I became emotional on the southern steps of the temple thinking about the start of the church. This was another spot where, again, Garden of Gethsemane, absolutely. You can't help it. You have to. But here's another spot. Because this could be, this could be where the mob was gathered shouting, crucify Him, crucify Him. This could be where that took place right out here in this area. All right, I'm going to zoom in a little bit closer. This, this could be a platform very similar in, in the spot where Jesus was presented. Behold the man. What do you want me to do with him? What do you want me to do with your king? Crucify him. Crucify him. 
right out here in this area, there's a there's there's remnants of an old road. You see these these two columns right here. There's a stacks of, of brick and, and stone. This was likely an old road, and the road would have led up these steps, and and right here you can't see it as well. I mean, you barely kind of make it out, but they call this the hidden gate. And at times in the first century, in the first century, they believe that this, this was an opening right here, an opening in this wall. And they've got a depiction of it there on a sign right in this spot. And again, this, this could be where Pilate was coming out and conversing with the Jewish leaders and where they're, they're conversing with one another. What do you want me to do? We want you to crucify him. In that spot right there. And so there's this, this whole area. And again, there's, there's a major road right here behind you. <laughs> it wouldn't have been there in the days of Christ. But there's a large area for a big mob to assemble. A large gathering spot where uh, likely they could have been shouting for the Lord's crucifixion. I'm giving you some pictures for your consideration And tonight, what I'm asking you to do is to think about Jesus and to think about what He experienced in some of these places. And I want you just to to know that these places exist, that this is real, that what your Bible teaches is absolute fact, and you know that to be the case, but these places are there and they verify and they back up what the Bible teaches. Now, that, that building with the two gray domes on top of it, we're now going to go inside of. We went there during the day. Saturday, I thought to myself, this is perfect. This is the Jewish Sabbath. They're not going to be around. There's going to be no one around, right? You'll have room. The Jews aren't interested in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, are they? Jews are not interested. They don't believe that anything of significance happened in that spot. But all the tourists, that's where everybody wants to go. And so it was packed. (laughs) I mean, there were so many people inside the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. You have your picture in mind of Calvary, right? Of where Jesus was crucified. I don't think it's going to look like, like this. I don't think it's going to match up. But this is where we find that perhaps this is the, the, the part or point where Jesus was crucified. So you walk into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and immediately you can take some steps and you go up. All right? We know that Jesus was, was lifted up, that, that Probably there was a hill there, there was a rise, and this is where uh, they would have had those crosses. And so you go up a few steps, and you find this scene. And again, the pictures really don't do it justice, but I mean, they've got all kinds of of incense being burned, and all kinds of uh, ritual and things that are going on. And and they've got this uh, table that is built, and all kinds of things on top of it. And they would have services through the day, periodically, and uh, different Orthodox and, and uh, uh, Catholics would come in and they would have all of these different rituals and things that they would do, chants that they would make. And right here, you can't see it because there's somebody standing there, but there's an actual piece of, of wood that that table is built over. And they claim that that's still part of the cross. I don't believe that. I don't think you believe that. That doesn't make any sense to me that, that it would be that, that, that way. But they say that that's potentially the spot where the cross of Jesus was. From there, from that spot, you can turn around and you can look down. And you, I want you to focus on this stone 
right here, okay? And I'm going to give you a picture on the wall of what that stone they say is. That here is the cross where Jesus was, that Jesus died, and Nicodemus, of course, is going to come and, and he's going to take away the body of Jesus. And uh, Joseph of Arimathea, they're going to come and take the body of Jesus and they're going to lay it on a stone, right, like this. And on that stone, they're going to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. And so the claim is made in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre that that stone is the actual stone where the body of Jesus was put and where it was prepared for burial. I'm just giving you information. I'm just showing you what we saw, all right? I don't, I don't believe personally that that probably was, was a, a stone where Jesus was laid, but I can't say it wasn't for sure, but I can't say it was for sure. But there are a lot of people who, again, wanted to bow down, touch, anoint, kiss that stone, all right, because of the significance that they feel that it played. I'll tell you what I don't want to do. I don't want to downplay the significance of what Jesus did, okay? I don't want you to leave here and think that I'm treating this a flippant way, but what I'm doing is just giving you information. I'm just trying to show you, and again, I really do want to think about Jesus and the, the walk that he took, uh, crossing the brook Kidron, going up to the, Mount, to the Garden of Gethsemane, being arrested, being taken to Caiaphas' house, being carried to Pilate, uh, Pilate condemning an innocent man to death, being carried then or forced to carry his own cross to a place where he would be crucified. His body was taken off of that cross, it was prepared for burial, and it was put into a tomb in this same structure. It's ginormous. There were so many people in there. They say that that is built over the tomb where Jesus was laid. Was it? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that the body of Jesus was put into a tomb. And I know that a stone was rolled against it. And I know that three days later he came out of it alive and continues to live even today. That's what they say is the tomb of Jesus. There was such a long line of people. Uh, We were able to get kind of a side view into it. There's really nothing of significance inside. Uh, And so there's some questions about, is that the tomb? Is it not the tomb? Don't really know. But that was a Saturday that I'll never forget. I know that. I'll never forget walking those streets and thinking those thoughts and being in those places and uh, allowing those things to consume me in my mind on a Saturday. That night, though, there was a smaller group of us. We started with 31 that morning. It was a big day. We did a lot of things. And that was our last day in Jerusalem. And so Saturday night, there was a smaller group, and John and Carla said... For anybody who's not totally exhausted, you still got a little bit left in you, we're going to take you around Jerusalem at night. So this was our only experience to see Jerusalem at night. And so a much smaller group of us went around and uh, we saw a lot of neat things and got to see the, the city of Jerusalem kind of lit up at night. And it was a neat perspective to see it. So this is I'm just showing you a couple of things of, of just fun. This man... His name is Jack. And Jack has a brother. Well, let me just say it this way. Julie and I have a doctor who has a business partner who lives in Jerusalem. So our doctor here in Midland, she has a business partner who's from Jerusalem. This is his brother. 
the business partner, his name is Joe, and Joe found out we were going to Jerusalem, and he said, you got to go meet my brother Jack. And so we did. We found him. And Joe told us, we saw him a few weeks before we left, and he said, uh, he has a restaurant. My family has a restaurant, and you need to go eat in my family restaurant. It's the best food in Jerusalem. That's a pretty big statement, right? But my brother Jack has a restaurant, and you need to go find him, and you need to eat in his restaurant. So uh, the whole time, this is kind of just in the back of Julie and I's mind, and uh, we were told you need to go through the Jaffa Gate of the old city of Jerusalem, go through the Jaffa Gate, and the restaurant is just right there, right there by the Jaffa Gate. And so John and Carla say, uh, if anybody wants to stay, uh, we're going to take a tour of Jerusalem at night. And so, of course, we're like, yeah, we're in. And so literally, we, we're walking and Julie says to, to Brother John, hey, John, where's the Jaffa Gate? And he said, it's right here. We, we literally just walked through it. We're under it. We're in it. We just went through the Jaffa Gate. And she said, really? Well, we, we know somebody who's right inside the Jaffa Gate. And so we, we walked through the Jaffa Gate and we found Jack. And his restaurant was right there where they told us it was. And so Jack said, tell you what, come back in about an hour. I've got a table set up for you, and, uh, and we'll feed you. And so uh, we did. And so we came back, and, uh, and there we are, the 15 or 16 of us, however many there were, uh, sitting at this long table in Jack's restaurant. So it's a small world, right? That's pretty crazy that you can go to Jerusalem, find somebody you know, and get a wonderful meal. Well, what did you eat? Well, hummus. The best hummus we ever had. I mean, it was fantastic. It was fresh with fresh pita bread, and uh, it was fantastic. We loved it. It was so, so good. The boys, what do you think that is? Chicken nuggets, right? Absolutely. Chicken and french fries, and they were so happy. (laughs) They were so happy. They had uh, just been wanting something like that. You know, they've been missing it. And trying all this different food and like, can we just get chicken? And so chicken and french fries, uh, the boys had. And uh, Julie and I may have been feeling somewhat the same. We had fish and chips, uh, fish and chips in Jerusalem. And it was delicious. I'm telling you, it was good. And uh, we really, really enjoyed it. So uh, the boys had chicken and fries. We had fish and fries. And it was really, really good. So that was our experience of Jerusalem. And I'll... I just wanted to give you some of those pictures, all right? Walking where Jesus walked in the city of Jerusalem in his final hours. That's what we saw. Now, if you've got a map in your Bible, what I'd like you to do is is to go north. And I want you to go up toward the Sea of Galilee. And what I want to do before we're done tonight, and this won't take long, is to look at some areas up and around the Sea of Galilee. If you open your map and you go to the Sea of Galilee, you'll find that there are several cities on old maps uh, looking around the sea. For example, you'll see the city of Tiberias. And we walked through the city of Tiberias. And we went through the city of Tiberias and we climbed, uh, we drove up this huge side of a mountain called Mount Arbel. And that's what that sign is depicting, Mount Arbel. And you get to the top of Mount Arbel, and here is Alan looking out over the city of Tiberias. Okay, so he's, he's looking out over the city of Tiberias, and uh, we are high, we are high above the Sea of Galilee. 
So he's kind of looking over to his left, and you can kind of see the city of Tiberias there. And then you can see kind of over to his right, or kind of in front of him and to the right, that's the Sea of Galilee. So looking down on the Sea of Galilee from Mount Arbel. I don't know where Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know the exact location. But maybe, maybe it was on a mount like this. Maybe it was on a mount like this overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And I, I was able to take a few minutes and read aloud a portion of the uh, Sermon on the Mount from Mount Arbel and thinking about what Jesus may have said from that point. He said it from somewhere around there, and perhaps it was somewhere like that. Here's all of us on Mount Arbel. Again, you've got the Sea of Galilee that we're overlooking there. Uh, the Sea of Galilee was impressive. It was so neat. You've got the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem, and then you kind of have the serenity of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee isn't all built up and commercialized. Yes, there are the city of Tiberias and a few other little ones, but for the most part, it seems to me that this is maybe similar to what Jesus would have actually witnessed. It's not all commercialized. It's a wonderful spot. We loved the Sea of Galilee. My favorite portion of the trip, Sea of Galilee. Loved it. It was so great uh, uh, being there on the Sea of Galilee. Now from Mount Arbel, kind of looking one direction, you're overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Over to your left, this is a view of what I'm showing in this picture. And you kind of see a valley that runs right down through here, right? You've got this Mount Arbel that we're standing on. You've got another big mount that's over here. And you've got this valley. If you follow this valley this direction, you're going to run into the Sea of Galilee. If you follow this, this valley this direction, you're going to run into the city of Nazareth. We never made it to Nazareth. But it is so possible that Jesus would have walked through that valley, that He would have been there, that that would have been a very easy route for them to travel because they didn't travel over mountains. I'm pretty convinced. They didn't travel the, the difficult way. They would have taken the easy path, and that would have been the valley. And so that is a road that would lead you to Nazareth. And so I just want to help you get your bearings a little bit and to see where we are. Now here's Julie at sunset, uh, looking over the, the Sea of Galilee. It was just picturesque. It was beautiful, and, uh, and we just loved it. Is it as big as I had it in my mind? No. You can see across it. You, you can see all the way around it. I'm not saying it's small. It's big, but it has a view. And the amazing thing is, it's surrounded by, by big hills. I, I almost call them mountains, but really big hills. And so it just kind of sits down in there, and it's just picturesque. It's beautiful. We really, really loved it there. The day after getting there, a couple days after we got there, we were able to go out on a boat, similar to this one. In fact, I think this is the boat that we rode out on. And we were able to go out onto the Sea of Galilee. And you think about Jesus walking on those waters, right? And the amazing things that took place and the, the casting of the nets into the sea and pulling up all of those fish by, by Peter and Andrew and John and James, uh, the fishermen, and, and the, the hours that they would have spent on waters right there in that area in the Sea of Galilee. It's amazing to think about. And it was so cool to be there. Well, next to Tiberias... You'll, on your map, you might see the city of Magdala. Magdala, Magdala. What do we know about Magdala? Well, we know about a woman from Magdala. Her name was Mary. Mary Magdalene. 
Mary of Magdala. Here is Mary's hometown. I only have this picture and one more. This one, maybe. Oh, I'm so sorry. Three. That's a synagogue. The Migdal Synagogue. Again, this is kind of interesting. They, uh, they have a project. They want to build a, a hotel. They want to build a structure. Well, in that part of the world, if you're going to start digging, you better go slow. Because you don't know what's under you. You don't know what you're going to run into. And so a man comes along and says, I want to build this hotel. And uh, they say, go for it. Build your hotel. Well, he starts digging and he, he hits an archaeology, uh, something down there. And what they discovered was an old synagogue, a first century synagogue. Jesus, more than likely, was there in that synagogue. All right? You talk about cool. That's cool when you stop to think about it. And these are the remains. Did he go ahead and build his, his hotel? Yes. But he kind of had to alter uh, how he was going to do it. And right outside this hotel, they just built this structure over the first century synagogue. All right, so we were able to walk around that, and it was really, really cool. The final stop on our tour tonight is this. Now, if you're looking at your map, you see Capernaum? Yes, we went to Capernaum, the city of Jesus. Jesus performed many miracles in the city of Capernaum. You go around and you'll find the, the fishing village of Bethsaida. We went to Bethsaida. We were able to tour that. We were able to look around and a lot of uh, digs have been taking place there. And you think about Jesus and, and Him walking in these places and performing miracles in these places and teaching in these places. But north, go north of the Sea of Galilee on your map. Go quite a bit north. We went to the city of Dan and you'll see that on your map, Right? And so literally we went, last week I started in Bathsheba, we went from Bathsheba up to Dan, Dan to Bathsheba, the, the, the whole length of the territory of the Israelites, we did it. But right up there on your map, you might see Caesarea Philippi, or you might see, say it again, Panius, Panius with a P, or Banius with a B, B as in boy or P, as in Peter Pan. Panius. You see it on the map if you're looking? Caesarea Philippi. Well, let me say this about Caesarea Philippi to begin with. In Caesarea Philippi, Agrippa II built this great palace. Agrippa II is the Agrippa that the Apostle Paul would have been before, right? Agrippa. That's the Agrippa. Agrippa II had this great palace built in Caesarea Philippi. And here's a, uh, what it might have looked like in its day. Now, that's some of what's left. All right, so you've got this great uh, spire, this great tower that's there. And, and here's the remnant of that tower, even still today. Again, you're going back in time more than 2,000 years. All right? Uh, Agrippa II is in power around 50 A.D., and so uh, you're going back in time a really long way. It's amazing that that is still there. But that's not the only thing that's still there. This has been rebuilt, they say, maybe in the 1700s. But remnants of what still would have been there uh, in Agrippa's day. This goes back to Agrippa's day. This was fascinating to me. This is a canal that would have carried water. 
And you can see this arch right here. Original. Right? They've probably done some restoration on it. There's no mortar in between those, right? It just fits. And it'll always be there. It's an arch, and it's just going to be there until, I suppose, the end of time. I don't know, whenever the Lord comes back. It's built to last. That's all I'm saying. It could fall tomorrow, but it's built to last. But here is a a canal, and this would have been covered, and so the water would have just been running, and this would have been drinking water, and they also had canals for sanitation. Isn't that amazing? That amazes me that this, this was all there. Caesarea Philippi, though, was known for something else. I told you that it was known as Panius with a P or Banius with a B as in boy. This is, this is the example or the influence of Alexander the Great and the Greeks. The Greeks came in and they began to introduce their gods. And here in this area... They build this great temple, and this is what this picture is showing you. This is a huge bedrock. It's a huge rock, cliff. And into this, they built a temple here and another one here. And this is what it would have looked like. And they built it, this is fascinating, and I'm almost done, to the god Pan. Half man, half goat, ruler of the underworld. Tuck that away. Ruler of the underworld. And so they said that in this bedrock, this huge cliff of rock, there was a hole, a cave. And inside that cave, I'm about to show you what it looks like, but they said that inside that cave was an actual entrance into the underworld. Now think about it for just a minute. I'm going to get there. But this is the god Pan. Well, they had trouble pronouncing P. And so it became a B. So you've got Panius or Banius. All right? But that, that's why it could be either way. So Pan or Ban, I suppose. But uh, this, is, this is the temple that they built to this Greek god in Caesarea Philippi. Here's what that hole in the rock looks like now. That temple obviously is not there any longer. But that hole in the, in the rock, that cave, which they said was an entrance to the underworld, the Hadean realm, is there in Caesarea Philippi. Well, let's zoom in just a little bit closer. And you can walk up and you can get really close to that entrance. You can get really close to that cave and you can begin to see, here's a grown man standing right here in front of it. That is a big hole, right? That's a great entrance into what they said was to the underworld. You look down that, that whole structure. I'm, this is the one staying on one end, and, and you're looking down that whole thing. And what do you think about when you think of Caesarea Philippi? You're ahead of me, right? You're thinking in your mind, Matthew chapter 16. Now this helped me, and maybe it will help you. I just have one more slide to show you beyond this one, but I want you to go with me to Matthew 16... And I want you one more time to read it from your copy of God's Word. And I want you to be reminded of what was taught right here, perhaps looking at this very cliff. In Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says in verse number 13, that Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. This is where we're standing. 
And he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, or Elijah, or one of the prophets. He said, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say that you are Peter. Peter is what? Small stone, pebble, small. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The significance, I never really quite grasped, though you don't have to stand here to grasp it. You understand what Jesus was teaching. But it is interesting, is it not, that he would have been perhaps looking into what they considered to be an entrance into Hades, an entrance into the underworld. And Jesus is standing there and he's saying, based on this bedrock of truth that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. Look at that. That's a a bedrock, isn't it? That's a large piece of stone right there. Based upon the truth that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus was perhaps standing here looking at that when he spoke those words. And I want you to think about those words. And I want you to think about the truth that Jesus was teaching. And tonight, as you think about Caesarea Philippi and you think about Jesus, as you begin the day looking at Jesus in Jerusalem and thinking about his final hours of life and the suffering that he endured for you, that you might be saved and thinking about what He endured before He went to the cross, even this morning as we talked about the scourging and what that possibly would have, would have uh, dealt with and, and what it would have looked like. And, and then you think about Jesus going uh, again to be led away to His crucifixion and where He would have died, and then He rose again. And then you think about the significance of where He stood and what He said, I will build my church. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47... Those who were obedient to the gospel were added by the Lord to His church. The saved were added by the Lord to His church. The one He promised to build. The one that will always exist. The one that will never be destroyed. And tonight I'm asking you, are you a part of that church? Are you part of that church that Jesus promised to build? And the only way to be a part of that church is to obey what they were told to do. I'm not telling you how to get into that church, except I'm telling you just exactly what the Bible tells us we must do in order to be saved. Do you believe tonight that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you ready tonight to confess that? Are you ready tonight to repent of sin in your life and to be buried in the waters of baptism, meeting that blood that was shed for your forgiveness? Tonight, your sins can be forgiven. You can be added by the Lord to His church. Tonight, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, it is extended. Tonight, if you are a Christian and you've wandered away, understand, my friend, that you need to be in that church, a faithful Christian, in order to go to heaven. If you're unfaithful tonight or you have a need in your life that we can help you with, we want to pray with you and for you. If you need to respond, then please come tonight while together we stand and while we sing.